This is an AMI podcast. Tired of knocking around inside your apartment or your parents' basement? Ever dream about owning your own island retreat? Hey, it's the May long weekend. Time to open up the cabin. Come on, Lewis. Let's go find Miss Lily. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Hey, Lily. Hi. <laughs> it's the May long weekend, and you know what that means. Time to open up the cabin. We don't... Oh, the, you mean the trailer. Well, yeah, I guess the trailer. Sorry, okay. Cabin on wheels. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, Lily, it doesn't mean I don't dream about owning a cabin by the water again. You know, I had that one years ago, right? Cape Breton Island. I remember hearing stories about it, and, and I remember hearing about how nice Cape Breton is. I've never been. I wasn't alive back then, but it sounds nice. I want to go. You were in your mother's stomach with the last time I was in Cape Breton. That's 15 years ago, I guess. But uh, I think it's time to go back. We'll go soon. But in the meantime, uh, what other options are there out there? All right. So there's an all-inclusive fishing, boating, kayaking adventure off the West Coast off Vancouver Island near Nanaimo, British Columbia. But it's not a cabin. It's a houseboat. I'm in. (laughs) Right on the water. According to the website, Pillar Rock Coastal Adventures hosts you and your friends on the adventure of a lifetime on their 48-foot vessel called the Pillar Rock. The houseboat has three bedrooms, one bathroom, and sleeps six people. They supply all the necessary equipment to explore the coast in comfort and safety. Includes self-guided kayak trips or beach and land exploring using the Pillar Rock as a home base and mothership. Oh, cool. I know. Uh, Their captain will move the houseboat daily up the coast as you can explore the coastline of of remote islands, channeling, and inlets. You can spend the trip fishing, kayaking, jet skiing, whale watching, or sightseeing, or a combination of them all. Pricing is $300 a person a day based on a four-person, three-day minimum. It includes accommodations, captain, fishing, boat rental, jet ski rentals, and all meals and drinks while on the boat. 300 times four that's 1200 dollars a day that's yeah. a little pricey what, yeah. a, what else you got okay a mountain cabin in banff alberta nice yeah we're gonna need some bear spray yeah. um, <laughs> i found this cozy and bright mountain cabin stay among the peaks the website says it's situated in banff within two kilometers of the canadian ski museum banff center for arts and creativity and Banff National Park Information Center. The website says a unique standalone cabin perfect for your escape to the Rocky Mountains. Tucked away among the pines on Tunnel Mountain, experience peace and tranquility while being just a short drive from lively Banff. This spacious and serene 450 square foot cabin offers the perfect retreat from the hustle and bustle of downtown Banff. The price is $229 per night. 450 square feet that's not spacious that's that's not much bigger than our trailer well i know you know lake joseph in the muskoka region of ontario yeah that's where the cnib camp is Uh huh. i found a cottage on lake joe that sleeps 15 wow must be massive that might do it has (laughs) it has six bedrooms four bathrooms and measures 4,000 square feet in size that's huge yeah it's a huge cabin Um, according to the website, it has central air conditioning, barbecue, loft-style master bedroom, floor-to-ceiling windows on three sides of the living room, 
wood-burning and propane fireplaces, lower-level family room with lakeside walkout, satellite TV, Wi-Fi, spacious designer kitchen with two full fridges, two entertainment rooms, and an additional games room for the kids with ping-pong and foosball tables. Wow. There's even an eight-person hot tub overlooking the lake. Oh, my goodness. I know. I'd never get you guys out of there. Yeah, especially since I rock at ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) Got something smaller? Well, there's this place in Laurentienne, Quebec. It's Ah. built using cedar construction, light, solid, and stable, which is probably a good thing because it's up in a tree. A tree house? Yeah. Here's what it says on the website. Come and live the experience of sleeping in a tree comfortably. Our tree houses offer all the amenities you need for a great night in any season. Lulled by the sound of the wind and the leaves, morning birds and natural light, rooms open to patios, bathrooms include showers, recreational amenities include a water park and a ski-in, ski-out access. How are we going to get Lewis up the ladder? I mean, every treehouse has a ladder, right? That's not going to be great for him. No, he'd have to sleep at the bottom. You know how much he hates that. <laughs> Outside by himself. Poor uh, Lewis. That's not going to happen. All right, keep going. What else you got? Okay, well, there's this place on Catalone Gut Road in Cape Breton. Oh, my God. You're That's where my cabin was, right there off Catalone Gut. You know, a, a gut is where the ocean and the river meets and they sort of flow together like a stomach, you know, the throat and the bowel. That's, that's the gut, right? That's where I had my cabin right on that gut. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, well, this one, it's a beautiful bungalow with two spacious main floor bedrooms and two additional rooms in the partially finished lower level. Plus a den with a pellet stove. It includes a double detached garage with ample storage According to the website, this tidy bungalow sits atop of 3.17 acres, is partially treed, and flows to a stunning waterfront that is magazine-quality scenery, as they describe it. There's Uh, not a place in Cape Breton that does not have that kind of view, you know? Everything's (laughs) magazine-quality. I mean, most of that island is covered by water. The Bredor Lakes, you know, are surrounded by ocean. It's mostly rock, but most of it is covered by water. Mm. The property has been meticulously cared for and shows amazingly with main floor laundry and two full bathrooms. Private living with waterfront and everything you need to enjoy Cape Breton living. Dad, you can buy it for (laughs) $225,000. You know, I used to go there every summer for three months and it was was great. It was great. I did that for 13 years and and it was worth having a a second home in a sense because I had an apartment in Toronto. So that was a nice escape. But, you know, it's not what I'm thinking these days about a, a cabin retreat. I got this guy, Jim Justison. He's an ex-Marine. He lives in northern Minnesota, and he built himself a cabin. He's blind, and he's been a cabin lover for three decades now. Let's get him on the call. All right, but just so we're clear, going there on the weekends, that's out of the question. Uh, oh, Cape Breton? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the cottage. 21-hour <laughs> drive. Yeah. Time for the bucket list. Jim Justison, resident of northern Minnesota near Minneapolis, cabin owner, blind, marine. You've done all sorts of things, Jim. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome. Thanks, Lars. A cabin in the bush. 
How did you get that love going, man? And, and how have, uh, how's that worked out for you? I could see when I uh, started looking for a cabin and my goal was I wanted to find maybe 20 acres and maybe 400 feet of shoreline. And the reason was I had a couple of young sons and I thought I not only want them to fish, but I want them to be able to hunt. And uh, after searching for three years, I found a plot of 72 acres and 1,000 feet of shoreline with a creek in the middle. What was unusual about it, Lawrence, was the fact that there was no road uh, into the property. I mean, there was no cabins or anything. It was just forested land. So uh, I had uh, the owner's uh, brother uh, take me around to the sand beach, and I started in on one end, and it's a half a mile from the lake to the tarred road. Wow. I found my way through that, and I went back out, got in the boat, started in the middle of the property on the tarred road, and then uh, worked my way all the way into the to the beach again in the creek. And I thought, holy cow, I really like this, but I don't know how I'm ever going to build a road. We cut it pretty much by hand. I found a deer trail right in the middle, yeah. and it went down to where the creek crosses in the middle of the land. And then we kind of followed that in. And um, I actually corduroyed the road in the low ground and uh, really learned how to use a chainsaw. <laughs> you were a blind chainsaw man? Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, no. Well, no, no. I remember then I could see just a little. I use a chainsaw quite a bit. I went to a chainsaw class in Grand Rapids Yeah. and then learned all about safety and chain break, of course. But the other thing, Lawrence, was I bought a pair of hockey shin guards. And every time I use my chainsaw and I put up about two cords of wood, firewood a year, uh, I use, I use, carefully use that. And I use it when I'm, I'm using the hydraulic splitter as well. So one of the funny things you might get a kick out of, uh, I don't cut those logs, I chunk them up all straight. You know, they're kind of angled here and there and they're angled downward. And so my best friend looked at me and said, yeah, stop complaining, you're getting this done, and this wood burns the same no matter how you cut it. <laughs> so splitting we do, cutting wood we do, and uh, I think the best thing are the, are the shin guards. And I use them around the place when I'm in some of the outbuildings where you've got a boat or a motor or something. So I'm not banging my shins and banging everything, even though I'm using a white cane. We finally uh, started putting up a place, and... That worked out pretty well. Um, I had to clear the forest, and I got a DC-9, and uh, follow me with that. The, the DC-9, uh, the bulldozer man just said, cut them off, chest high, Jim, we'll plow them under. And so I've got about an acre, and I put the cabin there, and uh, now there's some outbuildings. I put up a split rail fence, uh, not around the entire property, of course, or the, the yard or anything, but right along uh, the water. So I've got about a 30-foot berm from my grass to my to the lake water, to the lake shore. Yeah. And uh, split rail fence on the cabin side of that. So when I'm out wandering around, I can, if I hit the fence, I take a right, and I get down by my dock, you know, in the, in the part of the beach where I got the dock and boat lift. Is it steep there? Is it dangerous? Or you just want to find no. your boat dock? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just a guide. It's just a guide. Yeah. It's not a safety it's just issue. A guide. Yeah. Just like the buildings. Yeah. One of the things I do, too, I've got a couple outbuildings. I've got a workshop in one of them. I put a radio in there, and honest to goodness, Lawrence, it acts like a beacon. So when I'm out in the yard, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm trying to do, 
uh, I've got that as kind of a uh, as a beacon. It's always there. You always know how to triangulate back to the building and where yeah. you are in relation to that sound. What about wind chimes? Yeah. Are, you, are you using wind chimes? Like I put some wind I, chimes out, and I, I find that it's I nice. Some, my wife put some up a long time ago, and uh, they got kind of bothersome to people. So yeah, they do. We took them down. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> people hate them. <laughs> <laughs> when I started boating, I got, uh, of course, an old 14-foot Lund B, and I love Lund boats. And, yeah, um, solid boats. And I had a nine-and-a-half Johnson my father gave me, mm-hmm. and I bought an old Lawrence green box. And the first fish finder ever made, pretty much. That's right. Yeah. So I started searching around. I thought, you know, I can't really see this much anymore. I had my face right up to it. And then, of course, if you're drifting, you're going to go up on the rocks or something. So I thought, I've got to get something. And I found something in Boston, I think, or New York. It was developed in the harbors up there, in the boat harbors. And it was developed supposedly by tugboat captains. Hmm. It is called a depth talker. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got a bunch of those. Oh, you do. I, I bought them on eBay, man, for five bucks a piece. They're made by a big electronic company. They couldn't sell yes. them. No one wanted them. You have to cut into your transducer wire for these things, right? Or you get the splitter. And I got a bunch of splitters. None of my current fish finders will work with that. It works out pretty well, but I like it. Yeah. As you know, you can set it to go off every 30 seconds, every five seconds, every one second. But mm-hmm. you can also do it in, in foot increments. So you can go from one foot to five feet. And hmm uh, it's kind of nice. Just it keeps telling you where you are. There's another guy in the states. He invented newer technology. You can plug it into modern fish finders, and you can do those settings as well. And I use those now. It's like a tube, and it's got a little speaker at each end. It's got depth alert, so you can set the depth alert if you're coming into shallow water. It'll let you know. It can tell you how often it's going to tell you when the when the depth changes and what increments of change you want to know about. So I can set it pretty precise. It works beautifully with any uh, any sonar that puts out NMEA 0183. That's all you need to know. That's wow. the sort of standard. So you're driving around in this gas-powered boat. You still drive that boat with that noisy motor on it by yourself, <laughs> totally blind? Don't tell me you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, never by myself anymore. Oh, so that's, that's good. good news. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> the other things I use building the cabin, uh, I have a talking level. Yeah, got one of those. Okay. Super and handy. I got a talking tape measure. I haven't bought one of those. Do you like that? I do, and I finally I just gave it to another uh, blind friend that uh, lives by my place in northern Minnesota. Yeah, they're not cheap. <laughs> and he loves it. I'm just not using it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I use my talking level all the time, but uh, I have an old Braille tape measure. What other sorts of tips do you have in terms of making it blind friendly? Like tree branches. I... Well, my cabin, I cut all the branches on the trees around my property up about eight feet off the ground. It gets rid of the bugs and it allows you to walk around more. But then, you know, you you can also just walk right into the tree trunks. But don't. <laughs> That's no worry. <laughs> so I, for that, I, I pile a little bit of soil around the trunk, just sort of ramp it up around the trunk. So when I'm walking, if I'm, also my foot goes up, I, I know I'm going to hit a tree. So I stop. <laughs> 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 when I'm doing that, I'm wearing the shin guards, and I normally wear a hard hat. You do, yeah? So, yeah. yeah. I wear a baseball I, hat. I find the front bill is a good little um, yes. bumper yes. before you smash your face. In my case, my, my cabin is 220 miles from my home in northern Minnesota, yeah. from Minneapolis up there. And so what we wanted to do was, 
keep it easy, keep it uh, possibly on one level, uh, and most of the activities have porches and then um, four bedrooms. Yeah, nice. Somebody That's a big gonna, cabin. Yeah, nobody was going to come up there, Lawrence, for a cup of coffee. They were going to be staying. Probably. <laughs> well, that's it's too far to drive back and forth the same day. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. Not a lot of steps uh, inside the oh, cabin, or couple off the back. They go up onto a porch, and that's a good sized porch. And then the, the the front porch is like three steps, and that's like eight by thirty two. And then then you go into the cabin, the front end of the cabin that way. So we wanted to have big windows, you know, a lot of we're bringing a lot of light mm-hmm. in. So it's very. The lodge room is very airy, very open. High ceiling? 14 feet, and uh, had a fireplace. Oh, a real stone fireplace, like with a hearth and all that? Yeah. Nice. Like, wood stoves are fine, but they get so hot you can burn yourself on them, right? You're trying to put well, wood in Well, yeah, and this, this is a wood burner, of course, too, and it, it can really shut it down. So you can fill it up at night, and you're going to have a fire in the morning. And it's got a blower on it, too. Nice. So. It's efficient. Did you do anything uh, to make it, like, less noisy or more noisy? I, I, I renovated it, my cabin, and I... I insulated the walls and I, and then I painted the inside and everything and I regretted that because you know what I couldn't hear the loons as well and all the other sounds right when it was when I had really just thin walls no insulation I could hear everything outside it was more like a tent we've got big windows but it is very well insulated so and a lot of insulation in the ceiling so we yeah. don't lose any heat that way but of course, we've got eagles, a lot of eagles. We do have loons like everybody else. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. What do you like to do up there? Fish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fish and chores? The chores are a necessity, I guess. Yeah, always doing chores. You know that if you own a, oh if you got a cabin, you're always doing chores. There's always something going. I've got some trails, and there's always trees going down, which we, you know, cut up and use for firewood. Um, but I love just getting out and fishing, and a lot of people up there like to fish, and I bring people with me that like to fish, and it's just it's just a good thing. Uh, Minnesota's lucky with 10,000 lakes, but. About 3,000 or 3,500 of those have walleye. Nice. And so there's almost, you can go almost any place. I mean, I'm on a pretty decent body of water. It's 4,500 acres, maybe six miles long, seven. Um, That goes to the Big Fork River, which goes to the Rainy River, and it meets Canada right at uh, a little uh, east of Baudette. Yeah, Lake of the Woods. Lake of the Woods. I can take a a canoe and get all the way up there. Wow. You know, done a lot of uh, walleye tournaments in the past, and one thing we always had on was a life jacket. And any time the big motor was running, you had your life jacket on, period. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that at my place for a long time with my grandkids and everybody else. Put the life jacket on. Don't don't have to reach for it or anything else when the boat's mm-hmm. moving. Put the life jacket on. Period. They make su- they make such nice ones now. They're so comfortable, right? You don't even know you're yes. wearing it. Yeah. Yes. In the yeah. summer, I use those self-inflators. They're even lighter, you know, so you don't get so yeah. hot. Yeah. But, hey, cabin question. How did you deal with the whole painting thing or staining? Did you uh, just do vinyl siding the whole thing, or you just uh, don't paint no. it? All the logs, it's it's uh, split log by uh-huh. half okay. log. They all came off the property, so I milled every bit of it. I had over... 650 two by fours milled that came right off the property. I can't remember over 200 uh, two by sixes 
Yeah. Uh, and a half log siding, and uh, we've stained that ourselves the first time, and after that, I've been hiring it. <laughs> you hire someone, eh? Yes. Yeah. Just hire it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, but I find that's always a challenge to get anyone to do it, right? I mean, uh, just well, to find yeah, someone that wants yeah. to work in the summertime, or some young person wants to make some money, some cash, and uh, they're not easy to find. Yeah, I'm okay up there. I've got a lot of friends, and one of my best buddies who likes to fish a lot, his name is Handyman Pete. <laughs> okay, all right. Handyman Pete does most everything for us, so. <laughs> That's good. What about cutting your lawn? Do you doing that yourself, or you just get, uh, you nope, didn't do lawn? Nope. Hire that out completely. Yeah. Do you live in my life, man? That's the dream, right? <laughs> you 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 own the cabin, and you got you pay all these people to do all your chores. That's the yeah, best, that's right? right? Most of them, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it works good. Yeah, it works out fine. And what about neighbors? Are yay or nay to neighbors? Because you know, some people are going to be really isolated, and others. I like to, it's nice to know you have some friends around if you need them. Yeah, my some of my best friends and the and the guy he's since passed away that helped me get the property uh, lives next door. But again, the cabin is right in the middle of a thousand feet of shoreline, so I've got woods on both sides. Yeah, you know, along the shore. So my neighbors are good friends. Do you walk over and say hi sometimes, or they come and see you? They're generally one is coming down the beach and another one's coming down the hill. <laughs> okay, all right. So you 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 just have to get the hammer and you start hammering and they come around to see what you're doing. <laughs> the male mating call. <laughs> Sometimes they come and help. It's really it's really kind of nice. They got a good group of people up there. Jim, Jim, what about uh, self-driving vehicles? Are you looking forward to having that ability to just to go to the cabin whenever you feel like it? Like, is that is that your dream? I know it's mine. Uh, oh no, really, it's not. It's not. Uh, I, I I don't know. I think uh, I'm, I'm always going up there with somebody, so that's that's the fun part. Yeah, I do stay up there a week or two at a crack by myself. All you know, different time parts of the summer, which is fun. But I always seem to have people looking in. Yeah, and my daughter is yelling, you know, Dad, carry that cell phone. <laughs> oh yeah, so you have reception. Do you have internet up there? Uh, yes, you do, eh? So you're really connected. You hydroelectricity, uh, running water. Yep, everything's oh. just fine. Okay. Oh well, you really uh, you put some money into this place, my friend. This is not a cabin. This is a home. Well, <laughs> yeah, there. The hardest part to find, I think, is uh, now in Minnesota is that uh, amount of shoreline and land. Yeah. You can't, (laughs) normal human being couldn't afford to buy it these days. No. And there isn't that much of it that's bare land anymore. We still have some on on, on the lake I'm on. It's called Sand Lake. There are some half-mile tracks that are still uh, owned with uh, one cabin in one corner or something. So they can chunk those up. In the county up there that I'm in, uh, you got to have a hundred foot setback, and you got to have their hundred feet of shoreline minimum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you know, until you buy the land, like around here, anything with an hour and a half of where I live, you know, a piece of land to build a cabin on, it's you're looking at between fifty and a hundred thousand. Then you're looking just to put in the driveway, the septic system, the well, and run the electricity. That's, that can be another hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Yeah, that's, and they haven't even built the cabin yet. 
I did it with some old timers. In fact, he didn't. He wasn't even using a level. He had a transit. So wow. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of funny. He lived on the place. He pulled a trailer over and uh, built. Took him a month to get the cabin constructed. Like I say, not the inside, just uh, you know the shell and everything else. And I had an old world well digger, and he actually witched. And I had another person witch, and. They ended up in the same spot, <clears throat> he said, right here, and we started uh, started digging that well, and in 72 feet, we hit water, so wow. we got a 70-foot, 78-80-foot well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good supply then. But you you could have just run a line out into the lake too, right? Yes. But you, you, went, you wanted to have that year-round water supply. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. You go up there in the winter? Uh, not much anymore. Uh, to heat the place, Lawrence, it's electric heat, and even though you're, you're burning firewood and everything else, just to open it up for a week, it's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I have to have the road plowed, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Jim, Justison, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Outdoors with Lawrence Guthrie. We've got so much more to talk about. We're going to have you on the show again, and for sure, man. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be with you. I really appreciate it. You're a great writer, and I, I love what you're doing up there. Thank you. I think the Swedes had it right. I lived there for a year, teaching and research. They built themselves little cabins in the forest, you know, maybe about three meters by six meters. Nothing special, just a big room, no outbuildings, an outhouse. They'd bring their water, bring their food, bring a cooler, maybe a bottle of wine. They'd do some gardening sit outside, look at the lake, look at the trees, and go inside their cabin, you know, where they stored all their tools and everything, cook themselves something to eat, read a book, and fall asleep on a bed that would just flip down from the wall, like sleeping on a sail ship. Nothing fancy at all. The nice thing about a cabin like that, you can lock it up and forget about it. And if you don't go every weekend, who cares? You can still travel and see the rest of the world. All sorts of cabins for all sorts of people, folks. Thanks for joining us here on Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. We'll see you soon. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.